Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Andy. Merry Christmas once again. The Lord bless you and may His face shine upon you and give you peace. I'm so thankful this morning for our young people. Uh, thankful for, uh, for our children. Um, thankful for the Christmas season. Glad to be together this morning and glad to be able to come together uh, tonight. Uh, just encourage all of you, if you can, uh, let's come together and, uh, and, and let's make sure that we make uh, this Christmas a, a merry, uh, merry uh, Christmas. And that's what we've been, we've been talking about. And uh, I just want to continue to encourage you uh, to uh, make this Christmas a merry Christmas and to make sure uh, that you make every Christmas a merry uh, Christmas. And so uh, what we've been doing is is asking some questions like, some why questions like why uh, should we make this Christmas a Merry Christmas and why should we make every Christmas a Merry Christmas. And I'll, I'm going I'm to give you one more uh, today and uh, I hope you'll, hope you'll pay attention uh, because this is so incredibly uh, important uh, and uh, this is so needed and we need to remember and, and reconnect with this, with this why reason this morning, why we need to make sure that this is a Merry Christmas and that every Christmas is a Merry Christmas. And, and I, I believe so strongly in this uh, that I'm going to go ahead and ask you to uh, pull up Facebook uh, and, and if you would like to, pull up Facebook uh, and, and you can look at it um, and make some comments, and uh, like, I'm, I'm like, the words are slipping slip in my mind, what do you do? Share it, share it and like it, yes, I'm thankful for my wife uh, this morning, man, it's good to be married, it is, just praising the Lord, hallelujah, um, man, I just encourage everybody to get married, if you, you know, find the right person, you should get married, yes, let me encourage you if you're watching online. <laughs> It, you, like all you single guys, man, that's crazy, dude. Find you a beautiful woman of God and marry her. Yes. Praise the Lord. Anyway, I got distracted. All right, I'm already a long-winded enough preacher as it is. I need to, I need to, to stay uh, focused. But, but, you know, pull this up and share it uh, and, uh, and like it and comment on it. Uh, um, this is important. We're going to get into it. It's It's important. People need to hear it. We need to remember it. This needs to get back into uh, the church. Uh, but before I do, just let me remind you of what a Merry Christmas looks like. A Merry Christmas uh, looks like this. It looks like a, a celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Certainly, certainly this 
event in history needs to be celebrated. Certainly, it was celebrated when it happened. I mean, if you were like to pinpoint one of the main things that took place on the first Christmas, what would it be? It would be, it would be celebration. They were celebrating the birth of our Savior, the birth of our Lord, the birth of, of the one who would forever change everything at Christmas. We, I mean, we need to do this all the time. But I'm so thankful for Christmas, uh, this, this date on the calendar where we are reminded to make it a celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A Merry Christmas needs to look like this. It needs to look like a, a proclaiming, a declaring, a telling the story, the real Christmas story, the story of the birth of our Savior, the birth of, of the little baby Jesus laid in a manger. He must be proclaimed, and this story must be told. The, the Christmas story, I think, only second to the Easter story, only second to the cross, the tomb, and, and the empty grave, is, is the Christmas story in being a foundation of our faith. Something that builds confidence and assurance within us that Jesus is who He said He is. That He is the Christ, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God. It, it's real life evidence. How many of you know that, there's, that, that our faith isn't, isn't blind faith? That our faith in Jesus is, is, is actually founded on substantial, real life, provable evidence. What do, you do with the, what do you do with the empty tomb? And what do you do with the Christmas story? It's real life evidence. And, and at the Christmas season, we need, to, we, need to, we need to make sure that we are on purpose telling the story of the birth of Christ. And then, and then in the Christmas season, to make it a merry Christmas, we need to, we need to uh, remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, like, I know many of us know this story, and many of us can tell this story, but how many of you know how important it is to remember? To remember the story of Christ, to remember the story of His birth, to remember Bethlehem, and Mary and Joseph, and, 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 and the manger, and, and the shepherds, and the angels, and the, and, the, and the words that were spoken, and the things that were fulfilled, because we can drift in our faith, and we can drift in our confidence and, and, and drift in our relationship, but there's something about remembering that brings us back together. That's why it's so important. I didn't really plan on talking about marriage this morning, but hey, get married. That's why it's so important when you're married to remember your anniversary, to remember the day that you entered into covenant. I know you can tell the story. I know, you I, know you can, I know that it happened and you can tell it, but there's something that brings you back together with your husband or your wife when you have a time of remembrance. You need to make your anniversary a merry anniversary, and you need to make Christmas a merry Christmas, a time of remembering the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate it. We need to proclaim it and tell the story. We need to remember who Jesus is and how he came and the events around his birth, and we do that at Christmas. We did it at my house anyway. In, in, in my daddy's house, and now we do it in my house 
as well. And I would like to say, in the words of, of Joshua, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as for me and my house, we will make every Christmas a merry Christmas. In December, I am going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I'm going to proclaim and tell the story of the birth of Jesus. And I am going to remember the coming of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope you will as well. And if you're watching, I encourage you to as well. And if you're listening on the podcast, I encourage you to do this as well. This Christmas and every Christmas, make it a Merry Christmas. Now, now we have been giving some reasons why, and uh, you know, for sake of time, I won't recap those, but I'll just give you uh, what I want to give us today, the reason why uh, we need to make Christmas a Merry Christmas, we need to make every Christmas a Merry Christmas, and, and the reason I want to give you uh, this morning is, is make this Christmas a Merry Christmas. And every Christmas a Merry Christmas, and do it because of the children. Do it because of the next generation. Do it because of the younger generation. Isn't it interesting that, that there is a war on Christmas, and that there is also, how many of you know that there is a war on our children? There is a battle against our children. I want you to know, if you don't know, you need to know that the enemy is intent on, on, on coming against and silencing the voice of our children. I'm going to give you a reason why here in a little bit, but I'm just telling you that that is what he is doing. Isn't, isn't it also interesting that, that Christmas is such a children's uh, celebration? I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, my whole calendar revolved around Christmas. I mean, when it was over, I couldn't wait for it to come again. And when it was close, I couldn't hardly sleep for nights before that. And, and, it, and it wasn't just about the presents, although my mom, my mom did go overboard. But it wasn't just about that. It, there was just something about it. There's something about the day. There's something about every part of it that, that as kids we love and as an adult, I gotta tell you, I still love. I'm still so excited about Friday. I'm already, well, I'm not having trouble sleeping. But anyway, I don't really ever have that anymore. Praise the Lord. You know, that's another one of the benefits of being married. You know, it just helps you to sleep. Just lay down and sleep. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Look, all you guys out there. If you're over 20, find you a wife and marry her. Hmm. What in the world? I don't know. Stay focused. Praise the Lord. Maybe somebody needs that. Hmm. Right there. Praise Jesus. There is this, there is this beauty of it that, that children love. And why not? They, they love every part of it. And they even love the, the, Christmas, the real Christmas story part of uh, Christmas. It, it's, a, it's a children's holiday. My kids are already counting down. I imagine yours are as well. Like every day, they give us the countdown. Six more days till Christmas. Five more days till Christmas. What is it now? Five. It is. It's five. Yeah, I think Jude said that this morning. It kind of stresses me out a little bit, to be honest with you. But, but I also like it at the same time. Because I'm thinking of all the things i got to do uh, before you know, Christmas to make it a Merry Christmas. Which I'm going to do because of my children. 
and we need to do because of children everywhere. Let me tell you what, is, what has taken place and happened uh, in, our, in our America. I, I want you to know that these are some crazy times, okay? And I, I'm not about offending anyone. Honestly, I'm not. But I, 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 I will tell you this, that I am called of God to preach the truth of the Word of God, and at times that offends. And, and, and I, like I go home feeling, if I've offended somebody, I'm, and, I, and it takes me a day to get over it, but it's not even me, I'm telling you. I'm just called to God to preach the Word, and I don't know how to back up from that. Okay? So, there's some crazy stuff going on in our culture, in our, in, in our times. Right? Tr- truth has been abandoned. There are, there are things that are believed that I can't even wrap my mind around them. I can't, I can't even connect with it on, on any level. There are things that, that, are, that are believed that, I don't know how else to call them, but they're just crazy. And there, is, and there, are, and there are evil, wicked, destructive things that are celebrated. And then there are whole and right and just, truthful things that are, that are now called evil and wicked and opposed. This is going on now. It didn't happen overnight. It kind of seems like it, right? It's like we got, out of, we got out of 19 and we entered into 20 and, and all of a sudden this stuff happened overnight. But it didn't. It's been going on for years. And what has taken place is, is that America years ago was a country that was a Christian nation founded on the truth of the Word of God. People were going to church, and Jesus was being proclaimed. I think, I think we still are the, the largest missionary-sending nation in the world, praise the Lord, uh, for that. I think, but we have been that. We were sending the gospel of Christ to the world. We still are. Praise the Lord for that. We don't want that to go away because that brings the blessing of the Lord upon us. But, but man, we were, we were doing this, and not only that, not only that, but, but we were saying to the rest of the world, you can't treat people the way you've been treating them. Like we would say to other nations, no, you can't come in there and conquer them. We won't let you do that. And we would say to them, no, you can't enslave these people. We'll not let you do that. We'd say, no, you can't come and rob from these people. No, we will not let you do that. We stood up against evil and said no. And we proclaimed the gospel of Jesus' name around the world. And the enemy looked at us and said, what am I going to do to stop this nation? And so what he has done is waged war on our children to silence them. This is what has taken place. We find it happening in, in, the, in the book of Joshua uh, to the generation that comes after Joshua. Let me read. I know I've read this before uh, to you, but let's, let's reconnect with this because this is what has happened uh, in America. This is uh, not Joshua. This is right after Joshua, but it's in Judges. Uh, Judges chapter 2, uh, verse 10. Uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is generations following here, uh, the Joshua generation, which I hope you're familiar with. If not, go read the book of Joshua. It's a good read. Um, after that, a whole gener- after that, uh, a whole generation, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, the, the Joshua generation, look what happens here. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Now, now this 
somehow or another, I can give you some, some highlights so you can see how, somehow or another this has taken place, this took place in the Joshua generation, somehow or another this has taken place in our America now for several generations. We've had generation grow up that didn't know the Lord and they have raised a generation that didn't know the Lord who's raising a generation that, that didn't know the Lord, didn't know the Lord or the things that he had done for Israel. Now, now since this has happened in our generation, this, this is what takes place in Judges and, and we see it happening in our time as well. Verse 11. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord because, because they grew up not knowing Him. So they, they forsook, they, they grew up not knowing His character, not knowing his, his Word, not knowing His power, not knowing His plan. So they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. Because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths, in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around them who they were no longer able to resist. See here now, without the help of the Lord, they are no longer able to resist their enemies. And so the enemies come in and, and plunder, but, but if if there is the help of the Lord, then they would be able to. But because of the, the, uh, the help of the Lord is not there anymore, the blessing of the Lord is not there anymore, uh, the protection of the Lord is not there anymore, then they're no longer able to resist their enemies. I certainly don't want this to happen in our America. I, I would rather bank on the blessing and the protection of the Lord and His defense than on the might of our military. No longer able to resist their enemies. You see, you see when, when we turn away from the Lord and, and we turn to evil and, and wickedness, see, there's a, there's a blessing that comes on righteousness and that doesn't fall on wickedness. And when we lose the blessing of the Lord, there are things that we used to be able to do that we are no longer able to do. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Instead of being for them, the hand of the Lord was against them. I want, I want the hand of the Lord for me. I certainly don't want it against me. And I want the hand of the Lord uh, for my children, fighting for them and certainly not against them. Just as He had sworn to them, they were in great distress. So because... This whole generation had grown up uh, not knowing the Lord, not knowing the things that he had done. They, di they didn't know God's character. They didn't know his word. They didn't know his plan. Uh, they didn't know his, uh, his purpose. They didn't know his power. Because of this, uh, they find themselves uh, in uh, great distress, which, which is taking place and happening and we don't want it to take place and happen. And we don't want it to happen uh, to our uh, children. Uh, so, so we uh, need to begin to, to think again, what can we do 
to make sure that, that God comes back to our children, that, the, that our children grow up knowing the Lord, knowing who He is, knowing what He has done, what He can do, knowing His plan and His purpose. I want to remind you of, a, uh, you're probably pretty familiar with this, but of, but of Proverbs 22.6. You remember this? Where it says that, that, that if you train up a child in the way he should go, that when he is old, he will not depart from it. That, that there is a call of God on our lives to make sure that at least our children grow up knowing the Lord Knowing His purpose, knowing His plan, knowing His character, knowing His thoughts, knowing His power. That, that I mean, I'm going to do all that I can, right, to influence all the children that I can. And the Lord's opened some doors and given us opportunity to train up children in the way that they should go. But, but one thing at least I know that I can do and that I'm going to do is that He's given me three children that live in my household. And those th- three children, if they don't know God, it's not because of me. If they don't know his plan or his purpose or his thoughts or his ways or his power, it's, 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 it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because they rejected it even though they knew it. But I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that my children in my household grow up knowing the Lord. And what I want you to know is that, is that making every Christmas a Merry Christmas is an incredibly important part to that and a gift, I think, from the Lord to help us as parents and adults to train up the next generation to help them to know who God is and all that He has done. Now, in the Christmas story, I think we see this as an important and powerful part of the Christmas story. The Christmas story is, is, is about a child that was given to parents to care for him and raise him up and train him up in the way that he should go to do the things that God had called him to do. And, and if you will, the Christmas story is introduced by the giving of a child to parents to train him up in the way that he should go so that he would do the things that God has called him to do. Isn't it interesting that when there is, the, there is a need of a move of God, of a shift and a change in the culture, that the Lord starts to stir to, to remove the silence from the children and bring back their voice. So if we look into Luke, Luke chapter 1, how, how Luke begins moving towards the Christmas story is, is the well-known story of the birth of John the Baptist. And, and so, you remember Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are old, well advanced in years, and have, have never been able to have children, but, but the angel Gabriel comes and announces to them that they're going to have a son and uh, announces to Zechariah that, that they're going to have uh, a son uh, as, as he is serving uh, in the temple. Uh, and, um, and, and this is where I'd like to pick up that part of the story right here uh, and read it to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, but the angel uh, said to him, do not be afraid. It's interesting 
You ought to go through the Christmas story and just look at, at the do not be afraids there in the Christmas story. I think it's a pretty relevant thing to be said in our time this Christmas. Don't be afraid. I know there's still so much fear out there and, and, it's, and it's ramping up and, and people are proclaiming fear, fear, fear everywhere. But here we have in the Christmas story several times the angel telling us to not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Listen to this. He says, your prayer has been heard. I wonder how long he'd prayed it and thought it never been heard, but he kept on praying. But his prayer for the next generation, his prayer for a son, for a child, had been heard. I want to, I want to encourage all of you who, who, who may be past raising up your children, and, and I'm sure you're raising grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren and investing in them, but, but make sure that if you're not doing anything else, you're at least doing this. You need to pray for our children and pray for our youth. And I'm telling you, when you pray for kids, God hears our prayers anyway, but man, those prayers are being heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So here comes John the Baptist. Listen to, listen to what is said of him. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Here, here comes this... the, the uh, here comes a child uh, to, to prepare the way uh, for Jesus, anointed, called of God, uh, chosen by God, gifted by God to do this very thing, to do the purpose that God has called him, that God has formed and fashioned him for. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. I just want to begin to pray for that right now, that the Lord will raise up children that he'll raise them up and that they'll have an anointing and that they'll have a gift from God, a blessing from God, a power from God, and an anointing from the Lord to turn America back to the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He, he's got an anointing to bring the family back together and to bring wisdom and righteousness back in to, to Israel to prepare a people and make them ready for the Lord. God is, God is moving and he's working and so he and, and is moving and is working he, he brings a son and he gives it to Zechariah and to Elizabeth it's, it's, it's so interesting to me that that God takes this special gift and places him in the care of, of a man and a woman to raise him up and train him up in the way that he should go so that he will be prepared by them to do this that the Lord has called him to do. And then we find uh, in Luke 1 uh, verse 80 you know, this description of John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And we know from what Jesus said that John the Baptist, among him, there's, there's no one greater among men that has ever lived than John the Baptist. He grew and became strong in 
spirit. He became strong uh, in the Lord and full of wisdom and righteousness and, and an anointing to do the things that God had prepared for him, to do the things that God had planned for him. Now, I believe, I mean, this is a, a very special young man, but, but who, of, who of us do not believe that our children are anointed and called and chosen and special? Who of us don't look at our children and say, and say recognize like Moses' parents did, that this is no ordinary child. And, and, and that we have been given the care of raising and preparing and leading and guiding these children to know the Lord, to know who He is. To know his plan and his purpose and his power. To know his word and his character and his nature. We've been given this responsibility. We have been given the gift to raise up these children who I believe that Ephesians 2.10 is true of. That they are my three kids. Is that a show? The old one, right? I'm showing my age. My three kids, or was it children or something like that? Sons, my three sons. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. My three children, my two daughters and my son. I believe this of them and I believe this of all of your children. I believe Ephesians 2.10 that they are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for them to do. I believe just like John the Baptist that they are known by God, called by God, chosen by God, special, anointed gifts to the time that they were placed into, that they are Esther's uh, brought to this time and place for such a time as this and God has given them to me and my wife to care for them and train them up in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they'll not depart, to train them up so that they will know the Lord and know His purpose and His plan and His power, His kindness and His goodness, His righteousness and His justice, to know God for who He is. God, has, God like He gave John to Zachariah and Elizabeth, has given these children to us. And then we, and then we see this happen again. In the life of Mary and Joseph, as, as God takes, isn't this remarkable? He takes his only begotten son, this gift that will transform the world, that will change everything for all time. And he takes this gift that the enemy is, is waiting to devour and destroy and gives him to Mary and Joseph to care for him to guard him, to protect him, to provide for him, and to raise him up and train him up in the way that he should go. Isn't that amazing? God has chosen to do this. This, this is unbelievable. It's, it's, a, it's true that Jesus later on said that no one took his life from him, that he laid it down freely, that he would call upon angels if he desired to, and that they would come to his aid and come to his rescue. But, but God didn't give his care as a baby to angels. He gave his care as a baby to Mary and Joseph. Placed them in their hands. Now, I'm not saying angels didn't help. We know that they did. Right When Herod was out to kill, an angel warned Joseph in a dream, but it was up to Joseph 
to gather up Jesus and Mary and take his family off and rescue them and, and get them to Egypt where they would be safe and to survive. It was, it was up to Joseph and Mary to provide for him, to lead and guide him and to protect him, to watch over him and to train him up. It, it wasn't anybody else's responsibility. It was given to Mary. It was given to Joseph. Elizabeth is mine, my responsibility. Lydia is my responsibility. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Jude is my, my responsibility to train them up, to raise them, to provide for them, to protect them. He's given it to me. Sometimes I question his wisdom, but I shouldn't. Given them to me and, and, and to joy. To train them up in the way that they should go so that, so that they will grow up knowing the Lord. Who he is and all that he has done. His power, his wisdom, his character, his nature, his plan, his mercy and his goodness. It's, it's, it's for me to do it. It was, for, it was for Mary and Joseph to do that. And, and I'm telling you, for Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph... I'm pretty sure this wrecked their plans. It's, it's a life-changing thing. It means, it means sacrifice. It means time. It means effort. It means energy. You, you know, sometimes it means that, that I don't get to go hunting, that I don't get to go deer hunting, or that I don't get to take a nap, or maybe watch the football game that I want to watch. Sometimes it means that i got to go to work a little, a little more than I normally would. Or that, or that when I'm tired, I've got to cook dinner. You understand what I'm saying? It's effort, it's work. It means that, it means that I've got to lay down some of my plans, some of my dreams. It, it means maybe my bucket list has to wait. Man, I'm preaching now, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You understand? This, this means to Mary and Joseph... That everything has shifted, everything else is laid down, and now their focus, their purpose, more than anything else, is guard Jesus, protect Jesus, train up Jesus, raise him to become the man of God that God has called him to be. You see, the angel shows up to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he, and he says, okay, here's John what you've prayed for. But what this means is this anointed gift from God. I just like want to go through the room and just start to mention anointed gifts from God that have been placed in your hands. That this anointed gift from God is now yours to protect. Yours to provide for. Yours to raise up. You're the one that's got to raise your staff and stand against the enemy in, in, in behalf of your children. You are the one that's got to say to darkness, you cannot come in to my house. You are the one that's got to train them up to know the Lord. I just, I just choked down a, hey, yeah, hallelujah. And what a wonderful thing it is. I heard a pastor say one time, and it hit me right in my heart. He said, he said, I know, pastor of a huge church, he said, I know that the greatest thing I will ever do for the Lord is to train up my three children in the way that they should go. I know that the greatest thing I will ever do 
The highest call of God on my life is to make sure that my three kids know the Lord, who He is, His power, His plan, His purpose, His goodness, His kindness, His mercy, His grace, His righteousness, His justice, His forgiveness, to know Him for who He is. There's nothing greater I'm called to do. There's nothing more wonderful. There's nothing more worthy. Yes, it means I've got to lay down some things, but let's lay them down for the glory of God, for the sake of the next generation. Let's be willing to give up and sacrifice for our children so that they might know the Lord. I know it may make you uncomfortable. I know it means you got to maybe spend some money, sacrifice some time, lose some things. But, but man, whatever we lose for our kids is worth it if it means someday we will watch them serve the Lord. If it means someday we will watch them lift their hands in praise. If it means someday we'll watch them gather their families together in prayer, in worship, in remembrance. If it means someday we will see them proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I have already had the pleasure of watching my daughter preach. That's good. It's well worth anything I would give up or have given up or have to give up for our children, for the sake of our kids. Mary and Joseph gladly take this responsibility. In like one of the great scriptures in the Bible, Mary saying, Lord, I know having this child is going to mean I lose everything. But be it unto me, Lord, your will, your plan, your purpose. Let me embrace it. Let it be mine. And in one of the great, great decisions in Scripture, Joseph changing his mind because of the, the dream that he had, yes, but, but being willing to listen to the Lord and change his mind and say, I'm not going to divorce her. I'm going to take her as my wife. And I'm going to raise up this child like he is my own. In Luke chapter 2, there's, there's the wonderful story of, uh, of them bringing Jesus to the temple. And, and you know, I'll come back to that in, in just a few minutes. But I don't know why we think we can raise up our children in the way they should go and, and not bring them to church. But we'll get back to that in a second. They, they bring Jesus to the temple and, and there Jesus is prophesied over and, and, uh, and, and proclaimed who he is. And then in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 40, it says this of Jesus. And the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a great thing to, to see that take place in your child's life? And then as, as Luke 2 continues... Uh, they, uh, they go, you, you, you know the story where they go uh, to Jerusalem and, and then they leave and they think Jesus is with them, you know, because I mean, Mary and Joseph were great parents, but they were still parents, right? I mean, who of us haven't lost a kid at one point in time? That's when we're thankful for the grace of God and guardian angels, right? You know, you, like they disappear so quick. You look around and like, 
They were right here. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't confess all this stuff. We'll just stop right there. Yes. They, they lose Jesus and they can't find him. And so, so finally they come back and they find him where? In the temple. Let's read this. Everyone who, he, Jesus is here in the temple and he's, and he's like already preaching and teaching and answering questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Because in my father's house is where he wanted to be. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down, then they... Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, here it is again. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And Jesus, Jesus growing in wisdom, growing in stature, growing in favor not only with God, but growing in favor with man. Mary and Joseph watching over him, guarding him, protecting him, and raising him up in the way that he should, that he should go. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth doing the same. And here we have these like scriptures of Jesus and John, uh, growing in the Spirit, growing in wisdom, uh, growing in favor with God and man. This is, this is what we want for the next generation. This is what we want for our children. We want them to know the Lord. We want them to grow in wisdom and righteousness. We want them to grow in favor with God and, and in favor with, with man. Don't you, don't you just want God to say over, over your children like he said over Daniel, you're highly favored. Or like he said over Mary, you are highly favored. Right? That's what I want for my kids. Don't you want that for yours? For them to grow in not only the favor of men, but in the favor of God. Elizabeth and I have an argument. We, we argue about who's God's favorite. You know, I think it's me, she thinks it's her. And we have this argument about who is, who is God's favorite. You know, we're just kidding around, obviously. But, but I want her and my children to be favored of the Lord. And I want you and your children to be favored of the Lord, to grow in wisdom, to grow in stature and in favor. And, and, and let me tell you again now, the enemy doesn't. The enemy wants to silence the voice of children. He wants generations to grow up not knowing the Lord and then raise generations growing up not knowing the Lord. And that is what has taken place in America this is why we are in the mess that we are in because the enemy waged war on our children to silence their voice. I'll give you a, you know a few highlights. Like kicked for for some reason God was was kicked out of school. Isn't that interesting that it was school? Isn't that 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 the enemy hit school to try to to try to Make sure that God wasn't taught in school uh, to our uh, children, and then there is the, and then there is the, uh, the, the, not only the getting God out of school, but 
But then there's this, you know, the, the move of the getting God out of Christmas. You try to get, get God uh, out of Christmas and, and try to get God uh, out of Easter. And then, and then, uh, and then there's this, we, we see this happening, and, and it has been uh, happening. This has been taking place uh, for years. You know, can I, can I just go ahead and, maybe, maybe I'm just going to get in everybody's business for just a little bit. Is that okay? I got a few yeses. I'll take it. I'll take it. Got God out of, out of Christmas. And, and, then, and then there's this attack on the church that, that's so subtle that, that the enemy has just weaved this deception that everything's more important than church. Like everything's, everything gets elevated above church. Like you can't bump a lot of things, but you can bump church. Right, church gets bumped for everything else. I said, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm just a preacher. And, and we get in people's business. That's what we do. <laughs> it's a difficult thing. But everything's more important than church in, in our culture. And, and we wonder why our kids are growing up and not knowing the Lord. All right, the, the Bible is the Bible's no longer taught by parents. Now, I'm not saying it's everybody, right? I'm just saying that there's like this move that, the, I don't know, right now the Bible's not taught really a lot, but, but there's a lot of parents who, who want to push that off on the youth pastor or, or the pastor or, or somebody else. Right? But, but we as moms and dads are the ones that are to teach our children the Word of God. Right? You know, when you stand before God someday, you're not going to be able to say, I Took them to Pastor Jason. I don't think it's going to fly. Okay, it's it's up to us, who are the parents, to make sure that, like Mary and Joseph, I don't think could say, you know what, well, you know what, well, I mean, I, I think you should bring them to church, obviously, right? But, but it's not just that. You, as the mom and dads, have to make sure you're teaching the Word of God to your to your children. Everything's more important than church. The Bible's no longer taught by uh, parents. And, and then, you know, there's this war on marriage that, that we don't have time uh, to get into. But, but God has ordained the church and the family to raise up children in the way that they should go. Okay, and, and you can go through and read the book of Malachi, and, and you read in Malachi uh, about how God feels about marriage, and, and you will see that, that God doesn't want marriages and families ripped apart, and the reason why is because He desires godly offspring. There's something about, about the home staying united and together, and the church staying united and together that raises up and produces uh, godly offspring. So these are some of the reasons, uh, oh, oh, um, you know, another, another one of the, th- the reasons why uh, that, uh, uh, that we've had generations grow up not knowing the Lord and that things are taking place uh, in America is, is because of abortion, uh, because of the, the silencing of, of children uh, before they are even born out of uh, the womb. Now, I, I used not to talk this much about this in church uh, because I, I didn't think that it was in the church. I thought that, you know, as the people of God, we were pretty much together uh, against uh, abortion. But I, I'm, I'm recognizing now that this is not entirely the case and that there are many Christians who are embracing this and believing this. And so, and so now I come against it. And, 
and preach against it. We need to stand against this and to declare that this is not of God. And one of the things that we need to do to take back the next generation is to pray against abortion and stand against abortion. And, uh, and, and recognize that, uh, that this is a strategy of the enemy uh, to silence the voices of uh, our children. Uh, and, and the reason why uh, is, because, uh, is because of, well, let's just read it. We find it in, uh, in Psalms, in Psalm chapter uh, 8. There's this, there's this really interesting uh, scripture that really kind of reveals to us why the enemy is after uh, our children and, and why we need to uh, rise up as mighty warriors with our with strengthened arms and 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 trained hands for battle and, and anointed of God and 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 stand against the attack of the enemy against our children and and, uh, and do all that we can to make sure that the generation growing up in our watch knows the Lord and who He is. This is, this is what it says. It says, uh, starting here at Psalm chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Lord, our Lord, um, you know, some other translations put the O in front of the Lord. I like that. O Lord, that's how I pray. O Lord, I don't know how you do it. O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. So it starts out here with this, with, with kind of this reminder of the, of the wonder and the awesomeness of God and, and the glory of God and that, and that you know, His name is majestic in all the earth and that His, that His glory is set in the heavens. Any of you see like the moon and the, and the what is it, Jupiter and Saturn that are uh, lining up and, and how amazing that is? You know, for me, I just, I'm just like, oh, God is so awesome and glorious. And then verse 2 uh, says this, Through the praise of children and infants, catch this now, through the play, praise of children and infants, you have established or ordained a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Isn't that an amazing uh, scripture right there? Now just think about this. That God in His majesty, that God in His awesomeness, that God in His wisdom, that God in His glory does what only He could do and chooses the praise, the faith, the worship, the, pro the proclamation of children and infants to be ordained and established as a stronghold against the enemy, to silence the foe and the avenger. This is the power of the next generation. This is the, the power of children. This is the power of children and infants that we don't know, but that God has ordained and established, and the enemy knows. The enemy knows that there is a power in the praise of children that shuts his mouth. I can't hold it back. Hey, yeah. The deceiver is silenced. And the deceiver, because children silence him, has moved to silence the praise of children. 
Through abortion, through kicking God out of Christmas, through kicking God out of the schools, through dividing and tearing up the church, through dividing and tearing up the family. God, he's, he's tried to, to silence the praise of children because he knows that children have a power in their praise to silence the foe and the avenger, to set a stronghold against the enemy and silence the foe and the avenger. Like if I said that, you'd probably look at me like I'm crazy, but I got chapter and verse right here to prove it. There is a power in the praise of children. And when that power is silenced, what takes place? There's not a stronghold and there's not silence. The enemy rages, the foe and the avenger shouts loudly his deceptions and leads a culture astray. Do we not see this happening? Instead of him being silenced, our enemy is proclaiming loudly his poisonous lies and leading the world astray. What we need is children to arise in worship. Children to arise. Go ahead, look at me crazy. I got a verse right there. Chapter and verse right here. Interestingly, this is what Jesus quoted in Matthew 21 when they were trying to silence the praise of the children in the temple. Let's read it. This is a triumphal entry. I probably will preach this again on Palm Sunday. I'm just going to go for it. You can be like, oh, he's preaching it again. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to preach it again if the Lord leads. Jesus, this is, this, is, this is after the triumphal entry, you know, and they're crying, Hosanna, save us. And, and Jesus enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the, and the benches of those selling doves. Like, doesn't Jesus look a little wound up here? Doesn't he look a little empowered Almost like, a, almost like a little more Jesus than he's Jesus. I don't know, just, I'm just, just think with me. And, and we remember, as, as it goes on here, his passion and zeal for his father's house. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. Remember that Jesus has a passion for his father's house. And that he knows what it is to be. And when it's not, he empowered comes in and does something about it. And says, and says the reason I'm doing this is you, you guys have made it into something that's not. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So after this takes place, sick people start coming in and Jesus starts healing people all around him. Like this, this incredible move of God. But when the the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did. <laughs> they tried to stop it. Why would we stop wonderful things? Like healing and, and, and miracles and lives being changed and it's wonderful. Let's stop it. Let's stop these wonderful things that are taking place. When they saw the wonderful things he did and, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were what? They were joyous. They were thankful. They were excited. How long they've prayed for this lame person to be healed. And here he is healed. How long they've played, prayed for this blind person to receive sight. And here he is seeing. They're so, woo, yeah, Jesus. We've prayed for this. This is wonderful. Lives are being transformed. So they were so, no, they were not. They were indignant. What in the world is wrong with these people? 
And what they point to is this. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. We're indignant. Can you believe this? These children are praising you. These children are worshiping you. And, and, And isn't it interesting that children are worshiping and wonderful things are happening? Children are worshiping, and Jesus is moving and healing and changing and transforming lives. And and what does the enemy want to do? What does he come after? Their voice. He wants to silence the voice of the children. They said, do do you hear what these children are saying, Jesus? Tell them to stop. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them not to do this. And and what has Jesus said? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? (laughs) What's the matter with you guys? You're supposed to be teachers of the law. Haven't you ever read this thing? Or do you just carry it around on your forehead? You know, what, what's the deal? Have you, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise or, or established praise or ordained praise? Jesus quotes Psalm chapter 8 right there and says, I will not silence the children. It's from the children that you have ordained praise. And then we learn from Psalm 8 that when the children praise, this establishes a strong hold to to silence the foe and the avenger. Hallelujah. And here we are, the people of God, and we are called to raise up children to praise the Lord, to raise them up to sing to Him and to glorify Him and to exalt Him and to trust in Him, put their faith in Him and proclaim Him. We are called to do this and their power will silence the foe and silence the avenger. So we recognize why He is, he is coming against the children. And, and, and when the children are worshiping and praising and the foe is silenced, then life change takes place in Jesus' name. Isn't, I'm not going to go there and read it, but, but this makes a connection to me to, to like Matthew 13 or, or, or Mark chapter 6 where you remember Jesus wasn't able to do any miracles because they didn't honor him, because they took offense at him. And he left not able to do any miracles, not changing or transforming any lives. But where we see Jesus being honored and children proclaiming his praise, we see life change taking place. So all that to say, let's make this Christmas a merry Christmas because of the children. Let's make every Christmas a merry Christmas because of the children. Because Christmas gives us this incredible opportunity to proclaim Christ, to raise up our children in the way that they should go, to tell them, don't you be quiet for Jesus. You proclaim him, you sing him, you praise him, you lift up his name, you live for him, and your praise has a power, maybe my praise doesn't. Your praise has a power to silence the foe and the avenger. By the way, my parents taught me as a young man, as a a kid, when fear came, that that was to trigger me to praise. 
when temptation came, that that was to trigger me to praise. I'm not sure Dad ever told me that verse, but somehow he knew it. That when I praise, the enemy is silenced. That a stronghold of righteousness and peace and truth is built. And the enemy is defeated in my life. We've got to raise up our children. Let me close with just giving you, just giving you uh, three, three helps here. You're like, you're closing? I thought you were about to done here. All right. I'm sorry. I apologize. But it, it's, it's Christmas. Like It's the Sunday before Christmas, so here we go. I think these three, these three things are, are in Scripture. They're, they're pretty easy, but they're powerful. Uh, first, first is this, okay? Make church a priority. Make, don't let it be bumped by everything. Make church a priority. You make sure your children are in church because you've got them here. Make church a priority because children have got to be a priority because the enemy is coming against them to silence them and we've got this easy thing that we can do. We can make church a high, high priority in our lives. My parents did many wonderful things and one of them was this, church was first. Like I thought, you know, what is it? Like they deliver the mail, whether it, what it, it rains, sleet, snows, they deliver the mail, right? That's, we went to church. Whether it rains, sleet, snow, we, we went to church. Church was, church was high priority. We, don't you see this? You see this in Jesus, right? We see him growing in wisdom and, and, and stature and favor with God and men. And, and where is he? In the temple. He's, He's together with the church. Do this. Listen to me on, online. Watching, listening. We've got to raise up our children. You've got to make church a priority. Please. Moms and dads. Get your children in the house of God together with the people of God. Make it a priority. Make it every Sunday. Please do this. Don't let the enemy deceive you to thinking that church is not important, that church is not relevant. If you want your kids to serve the Lord, get them together in the house of God with the people of God. Okay, another, another thing, another help here. This may seem silly, but I'm telling you, this is such a help. Make Christmas, every Christmas, a Merry Christmas. Make this Christmas a celebration of Jesus. A proclaiming of Jesus. A remembering of Jesus. Make this Christmas and every Christmas a celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make it a Merry Christmas. Christmas is like, it's like the stones that the children of Israel gathered out of the Jordan River when, when Joshua it moved across, the Lord parted the waters, and they moved across the Jordan River into the promised land. And you go read Joshua chapter 4. God said to them, it wasn't Joshua's idea, God said to them, go back in the river and grab 12 stones out of the river, bring them here and set them up, and they will be a sign to your children. 
And your children will come and look at them and say, why are these stones here? And then you can tell them the story. That's what Christmas is. It's stones gathered up as a sign, as a memorial to, to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and we bring our kids to it and show them. And they say, well, why is this here? And then we tell them the wonderful story of the birth of Jesus. Make this Christmas a Merry Christmas. Make every Christmas a Merry Christmas. One more and we'll pray. That's pretty easy, isn't it? We're going to bring our kids to church. We're going to celebrate Christmas. One more. I've already got into this, but let me highlight it. You as parents, you need to talk about the Word of God. You need to teach the Word of God to your children. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, where, where we are instructed to talk about this in the morning, to talk about it in the evening, to talk about it as we walk along the way, to talk about it when we lie down. We are to talk about the word of the Lord to our children. Read Deuteronomy. It even has this this feel of forcing it on your children. It actually says this, impress upon your children the word of the Lord. So you talk about it, 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 until your children are like, we know, Dad. We know, Mom. Enough is enough is enough. And we say, no, it's not. No, it's not. You listen to me. This is not enough. You've got to get this word down inside of your heart that, that it will keep you from sinning against God. This word's got to be down inside of your heart because it is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. This word's got to be in you. You've got to delight in it. You need to meditate on it day and night. And if you do, you're going to be successful wherever you go and whatever you do. So I'm going to impress it upon you. We're going to talk about it in the morning. We're going to talk about it in the afternoon. We're going to talk about it in the evening. When we gather together as a family and eat dinner, we're going to talk about the Word of God. We as parents need to talk about God's Word. We need to take up responsibility of teaching the Word of God to our children. So here you go. We want to, we want to raise up the next generation We want their voices to proclaim the praises of the Lord. So we're going to get them in church. We're going to make every Christmas a merry Christmas. And we're going to impress upon them the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it would get down inside of our hearts. Lord, I just lift up this generation of young people that's growing up right now, and I pray you put a mighty hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray that you would stir each and every one of our hearts to to not only pray for our children, but to pray for all the children we know. Lord, I pray that you'd stir up grandparents and and great-grandparents to to pray not only over their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, but over all the children they know. We do that this morning, Lord. We pray. We pray and we know that, that you hear our prayers. And we ask that you would rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. And that you would come and set your praise in the voices of our children. 
that they would not be silenced, that they would proclaim the praise of the Lord, that they would proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. Let the children all over America begin to worship you, to know you, to love you, to live for you, and serve you. Help us to be a church, Lord, that is, that is reaching the next generation and training them up in the way that they should go, that, that the praise of children would not be silenced, but that their voices would be allowed to sing to you and proclaim you, and that their praise would silence the foe and the avenger, would silence the enemy, we pray in Jesus' name. Stir within your church, within your people, a Merry Christmas, and let us make this Christmas a Merry Christmas, and every Christmas a Merry Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but today you'd like to do that, I ask you to just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Yes, amen, I see your hand. If you're watching online and you've not trusted Jesus, just raise your hand right where you are. If you're, if you're listening and you've not trusted Jesus, just raise your hand right where you are. And just pray with me. Just repeat after me. And open up your heart and, and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, my Savior, my Lord, my only hope. And I open my heart and ask you to come in and be Lord of my life. I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. And I declare that my life is yours. I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Please come back. And uh, let's get together in fellowship and celebrate Christmas again tonight. God bless. See you tonight.